Welcome to the Mill Housing Nation podcast, where we bring you stories from real military spouses who have been in your shoes. From new spouses to veteran spouses, you'll get tips, tricks, and actionable steps that can help you along your military life journey. This episode is brought to you by Caliber Home Loans. Caliber is committed to educating military families about their VA loan benefits and bringing military families home. Get connected with them online by visiting Caliber at CaliberMilitaryLending.com. Now, here's Ashley Peoples. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Mill Housing Nation podcast. I'm so glad you joined us today. I have uh, my very favorite person in the whole wide world with me again because we are talking about marriage. Um, and I explained to you a couple of weeks ago, it would be really awkward if I did the whole marriage thing by myself. So I have him with me, and I'm so excited anytime I get to work with him. So this has been fantastic. All right. Um, first of all, this is the fourth in a four-part series. So what we've been talking about are vitamins for your marriage. And really, the premise of it is just, you know, we take vitamins for our health. We take vitamins for our body. Why are we not taking vitamins for our marriage? Why are we not reading more? Why are we not seeking wisdom from people who have these long, amazing relationships that we all look up to so much? So if we can interject those vitamins into our marriage, then maybe we can make it to where we never need the medicine. Now, today is a little bit different. We're going to talk about maybe you're at a point to where you need medicine. So we're going to talk about some of the things um, Symptoms, that, really. symptoms. That's a yeah. That's a perfect way to put it. So we're going to talk about some of the symptoms of marriages that are really heading in the wrong direction. And truly, from a, a book that we're going to share with you in a minute, is really like the path to divorce. And we want to try to call your attention to it. So if you see yourself getting on that path, you can totally take a hard right, you know, or exit stage left, and get off the path to divorce. And then we're going to talk about fighting fair. <laughs> so that is something that we had to learn uh, very early on because I was a like a quick-witted fighter, if you will, and he was just not going to fight. No. It's not the case, <laughs> not the case at all. But he was just not going to fight. So we we definitely I had to grow and then he had to use words. So uh, we we figured it out. So we're going to share those with you today, but thank you so much for joining us. Want to Kick us off. Yeah, so this where this comes from is a book called The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work um, by Dr. John Gottman. We talked, we referenced one of his other books called The Relationship Pure last week, uh, but they have a chapter in here that says how I predict divorce. Um, so just so you know, like Dr. Gottman has a full facility where he studies marriages. He's been doing this for... It's called the Love Lab. Yeah, the Love Lab. And, they, and, they, and he studies people and, and kind of gets them comfortable in their element and then starts to kind of just watch and see how couples interact. And and uh, and then obviously helps a lot of couples, uh, you know, through tough times. And and so one of the so what he does is he has a chapter on how I predict divorce. And so here's why we or going this route and it kind of seems negative, right? We could tell you all a bunch of little squishy stuff, but sometimes like theoretical squishy stuff and like going, Oh man, that's perfect. It's good to know. It's good to know what the model looks like, but we all look at ourselves and go, I can never be that. Right. It's like, you see this perfect fitness model and you're like, Oh, I really want this, but I could never be it. But then when you look in the mirror though, you start to see your own flaws. And so the reason why we show this is so that, you may be able to notice some behaviors that you were doing, right? This is about introspective of yourself, not to go, ha ha, my spouse is doing this, right? But if your spouse is doing it and they're not listening, then one, you may want to get them on this. 
or it's a great conversation. But more importantly, that if this is true, right, these things that we're going to go over, how he predicts divorce, if these things predict divorce, then the opposite is true, is that what predicts a successful marriage is not doing these things, right? And these are super simple, but you probably don't know it until until you're aware of it. And hopefully we break that glass, you know, kind of that that mental ceiling where you you hear it and you're like, man, that's it. I I know I'm doing that. So the other thing that I think is so interesting about this Mm -hmm. is Dr. Gottman calls it the four horsemen. And really, like we've heard like the four horsemen of the apocalypse, like you've heard all sorts of things. It's really the four horsemen that he looks at as an indicator of how he can predict divorce. And what I, I like about going over these all together is it's super simple to see each one of them individually and think, oh, we're this, that, we do that, we do that. But if you can see that you're doing all four hopefully we can shine that light to where you're like, Oh man, we're in a danger zone. You know, this is, we're no longer playing around about this. So, all right, what's the first horseman? So, well, I think the first thing is understanding the difference between complaint and criticism. Because the first one is what? Criticism. All right. right? So, um, so one of the first things, right. One of the the first horseman is uh, criticism. And there's a difference in criticism and complaint. And so I think understanding that, is 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 definitely uh, a key and then what we'll do is right really kind of show what criticism looks like in a marriage so so a complaint focuses on a specific behavior or event it also has three different parts it the first part is here's how i feel the second part is it addresses a specific situation. And then the third one, it gives how they can fix it, right? Like what you need, what you want, and what you prefer. So I'm really angry that you didn't sweep last night. Could you please do it now? So that says how I feel I'm angry too, because you didn't sweep last night. You can fix it. You know, what I need, want, or prefer is that could you do it now, please? So that is a complaint. It's specifically about the fact that that person honestly feels let down that the, that the spouse did not sweep the night before. Now, obviously this could get really big, but man, complaints can also be about something really small to one side of the marriage. That means a whole lot to the other side of the marriage. So you want to make sure that you understand that anytime your spouse registers a complaint and that's how we want to look at it. They're not complaining, but they're registering a complaint. We want to make certain that we're taking it seriously because it really, if I said that to Daniel in his mind, he would think, is she seriously registering this complaint with me about sweeping? Like I do all of these other things. Why is it sweeping? Because it's important to me. So that is a complaint. Criticism is much bigger And it's global and it expresses negative feelings about one's character or personality. The other, another sign of a criticism is using the word always and never. The overgeneralizations are going to get you every time. Because the truth is, you never sweep the floor. That would mean that they never, ever picked up a broom, which is probably not the case, you know? And it also is saying that they never do something. That's going to be a criticism about their character and about their personality. Yeah. You know, I think the thing about uh, a complaint, right, it's, it's 
it's very much about an action, which if it's a, an action I can fix. Right. But if it's me as a person, a criticism that I can't. So, so the fourth, the first horseman is criticism, right? Do you find yourself criticizing that person and saying you always, or, uh, you know, you know, you never, right. And, And using those type terms and really not really thinking about that individual action, but rather just talking about that person's character. And, and, and that, that starts to, that starts to, and, and you can think of the, the four, the four horsemen as like a baton race. And that's what he talks about in later in the chapter is and he talks about how they're, it's not a, not one after the other. It's really kind of this relay race until you get to the final one, which we'll talk about. So the next one, right. That gets handed the baton is contempt, right? So criticism you're getting criticized. Like, think about it. If you're the one getting criticized all the time, then contempt starts to set in, right? So, uh, and, and what contempt is, is really this feeling of of superiority over the other partner, right? Like, like and that's when you start to see sarcasm and cynicism and name calling, right? And, and, and like, eye rolling and mockery and all these, like it starts to like, Oh, she always does this. Right. Like, you know what I mean? And like contempt starts to set in where you just think, man, I'm better than this person. Right. Like that. Why is she telling me this? Right. And you start to feel yourself having those feelings. You may even do the action. Here's the deal. You may even do the action that's being requested, but you've got that contempt in your heart and you, it's, what that person is almost becomes beneath you. And it's, um, it's poisonous to a relationship. And this is literally what he says. It's poisonous to a relationship because it conveys disgust, right? So if you're like, you never do this. See, that is a criticism wrapped in a really ugly package of contempt, right? Like, you never clean up after yourself. They are criticizing with contempt. Can't you hear the difference in there? And inevitably, it leads to more conflict rather than reconciliation. So it's so easy to see how complaints not registered properly can turn into criticism. And then criticism really quickly gets overtaken with contempt. And it's all rolled together in one big snowball. And that's why we've got to... And honestly, that's why we talk about fighting, you know, at the end, because it should always be about reconciliation, mm-hmm. right? That, that, that is that is the key. There's some things that living with each other, we're just going to have some annoying things mm-hmm. that are perpetual, but we should try to reconcile as many things as possible. And we'll talk about that. And I'm, I'm glad that you said reconcile because it, it talks about contempt being born from long simmering negative thoughts. So think about it. Like if you stew on something and you start stewing on it and thinking they never do this, they never do this, they never do that. And you keep stewing on it. That is where the contempt comes from. And there was a fun fact in the book that's like highlighted that I thought was really weird actually. But it says couples who are contemptuous of each other are more likely to suffer from infectious illnesses like colds, flu, so on, than other people. It's mind-blowing to me that you can actually cause yourself to be more susceptible to the common cold or to the flu 
um, by having a contemptuous heart. Like it, I don't know. And obviously I did not do the study for this, but I found it really, really interesting. Well, and you can feel it, right? Like yeah. even as she describes it, you can feel that when she's, Oh, they always, they always, that criticism, they always, they always. And then you start to get this superiority Ugh, complex, yeah. right? This disgust. Then that leads to defensiveness, right? Which so the that's third the third horseman. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, um, it, it really is a way of starting to, again, blaming that partner, right? Mm -hmm. um, acting innocent, like, like they always, they always, they're terrible, whatever. Mm -hmm. Then you get, you kind of get a superiority complex a little bit, right? And You're like, why are they picking on me? Like, yeah, and I do all of this, just like we were saying. Yeah, you start, you start to defending your own actions, mm -hmm. right? And, and you become real defensive in that. And anytime someone gets defensive, I don't know if you've noticed, it's always going to escalate, right? Like when you're coming at me and I get defensive, it's just, it's like that ping pong match we talked about last week, but in a really, really negative manner. Um, so it says, uh, this is where in the book that it talked about that uh, baton race. So it doesn't mean that criticism, contempt, and defensiveness are all just single events. They snowball into each other. They pass the baton back and forth. And it is this merry-go-round of really, really unproductive um, behavior in your marriage, but very destructive behavior in your marriage. And really that signal, those three horsemen uh -huh. signal in the last one and that's stonewalling. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and, and stonewalling is simply just disengaging from the marriage, right? Remember what we talked about last week when we talked about, you know, uh, the playing ping pong, right? The, there's three ways to, to do it. You, you accept it and you, you, you go back and forth. Uh, there's one where you come in hard and, you know, you, you slam it home hard. And then there's one where you just completely ignore it, right? Those bids for emotional connection. And we said, what was the worst? The worst was ignoring it, right? Whether that's being distracted or whether it's stonewalling where you just completely disengage from the, from the marriage. And that, that is, that is a killer. Yep. So whether it's just when, when one partner tunes out the other one, you know, it, it talks in the book about you may even do what they ask you to do, but you're really just tuning them out. You're doing what is necessary to survive. Um, and it, it, it avoids a fight, but in essence, you're just avoiding your marriage. You know, like sometimes and Daniel and I, so here is, I don't know if we've even said this on here, but one of the things that is a, a a pillar and a cornerstone in our marriage is the fact that we never fight about the same thing twice. But sometimes that means that we are going to throw down for more than five minutes, right? Like we, we agreed early on that it's a waste of time and energy to fight about something repeatedly. So we are going to fight about it. We're going to come to a resolution an agreed upon resolution, and then we're not going to fight about it again. As a matter of fact, I can only think of one time in our marriage where it got brought back up again, and the other person said, we've already thought about this. Like, we have already talked about this. We came to a resolution. There's no reason in fighting over this again, right? So that, honestly, if, if, do, you, do you want to say anything else on that? Because it leads me really nope, good. Okay, perfect, perfect. so that is a reason. Ah, I didn't mean to, but it was a great segue. So that leads me into how we're going to suggest that you fight fair. And it again kind of comes from, from our marriage. If you can agree on the rules when you're not mad and you can have discussions before issues arise about how you're going to handle things, when 
it's time to throw down. You already have the agreed upon rules. So you're just going to play the match. So what, what I mean by that is Daniel and I agreed very early on that we're not going to fight about things twice. So sometimes that means that it's going to be several days of us hashing things out to come to a resolution. But then here's our other pillar. You fight the problem and not each other. Like I'm not going to bring in his character. I'm not going to bring in who he is. Um, we're going to fight the problem and whatever that problem is at the moment. So Find your agreed upon rules early on before issues arise. And here is a not so like great secret is issues are going to arise. You are going to fight. You live together. Absolutely. People who live together are going to have conflict. People who live together are going to disagree. And that is what you're going to find. But if you can agree on the rules before it's time to play the game, then when it is time to play the match, you just follow the rules. If that makes any sense, it has been one of the greatest things that we've ever done for our marriage. Um, because in the heat of the moment, this is something someone told us at our last marriage retreat, like someone that was there, they said, women emotionally think of logic. So let's get that women emotionally think of logic and men logically Think of emotion. So when we're in the middle of this fighting match, we're in the middle of this bout, you have men and women thinking of things totally differently. It's so easy to miscommunicate when you're angry. So in making sure that you agree upon the rules before so that you can fight the problem when it arises, you're going to have far less um, miscommunications and miscues and honestly hurt feelings. And you're going to have less things said in the heat of anger that you don't mean. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's really the key, right? Like this, here's the, deal. we've sat down with couples who've been in a pretty tough spot, right? The worst spot you probably anticipate in marriage, right? And, and, and what happens is these four horsemen have come in, they're stonewalling, they're both contemptuous, they're both defensive and, and then I ask, you know, we ask them, Hey, what do you want out of this? Like, look, the reality is marriage is this marriage the way it's going right now is going to end one of three ways. You're going to live happily ever after you're going to end in divorce. Right. And it, or you're going to get mad and you're either going to hurt, hurt one another in a bad way, or you're going to hurt yourself in a bad way. Right. That's, that's the way this thing goes. So let me ask you, what do you want? And then I look at him and I go, what do you want? And he goes, well, I want, and it's always the same rate. I want my kids and rocking chair and grandkids and sunsets. And, right. And you go, well, what do you want, ma'am? I want kids, you know, grandkids, rocking chair, sunsets, all that holding hands. Then what's the problem? You both want the same thing. You're just on two different roads right now, but you've got, you're on the same way. You've got to reconcile what it is. And if you turn things again, where I think more logically, like you've got to start turning things more binary, right? Because it's not about, I mean, yes, emotions and feelings are there, but, but that's, that's human stuff. Right. And, and, and emotions can honestly be liars at times and they just can cloud the real issue when you start to focus and y'all team together rally together and go, Hey, we're really struggling with this. Let's make, let's make that the problem. Military families, military guys and, and, and women, they understand this, right? I mean, you think about bad 
organizations around the world can be rivals to one another. But when another rival comes into play, they can rally together for that moment in time and fight against another, like their joint enemy. So make those problems your joint enemy, right? Fight the, like fight for resolution on these issues, fight the issues. Because at the end of the day, this is the single most important relationship you have on this earth, right? It, It really is. Right. And, 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 and this, you know, I know a lot of people say, oh, it's, you know, my kids. And, and, and yes, but the kid, but here's the deal. Your kids will move out. Your kids will have a more important relationship and that is their spouse. So this person is going to be the first one that gets a call when you're no longer on this earth. This person is going to be the last person to touch your casket. Right. And so this is the most important relationship you have. And so invest in it and fight for it. Absolutely. And you know, when you come together and you team up, you're on the same side and you acknowledge the problem and you both humble yourself in a way that you're like, I can do better here. And this is what I can do. And the other person says, I can do better here. This is what I can do. That joint humility is what brings safety to your relationship. There's nothing more safe, if you will, than saying, I know that I've got stuff to work on and I'm going to do it because this is what I want. And the other person saying, I am working just as hard as you do. We have always said that marriages are not 50-50. They're 100-100 because there are so many times where I can't give 100 and he needs to give 75 because I can only give 25. And then there's other times when it goes the other way around. So it's so important that you don't look at marriage as 50-50 because if one of you can only give 25 at the moment, it's falling. And speaking to, I think, the women, obviously there are stay-at-home dads. And I totally, I don't want to leave you out. But, you know, stereotypically, I guess you will, um, most People who are staying at home with the kids and are nursing the kids for sure um, and have the babies crawling all over them all day. And that is your job, right? Just like whoever is leaving the house has their job. I think sometimes we confuse our roles and we confuse our jobs and we let our job elevate higher than the most important relationship that we have. And so I'll just remind you that there is a price to your marriage for doing it all. You know, it's so, it feels good to be the mom that does everything. It feels good to be the mom that is the craft mom. And it feels good to be the mom that always cooks every meal. And it feels good to be the mom that has all the kids and all the different sports. It feels good to be good at your job, right? And your job at that point in your life is being a mom. But there's a price to pay for doing it all. And you need to ask yourself, is the price that you're paying worth it? Because if you spend all of your time and all of your energy doing all the things and you don't have anything left when you, excuse me, get off, because I know that obviously it's a full-time job uh, 24-7. But at the end of the day, when your partner walks through the door, if you have nothing left because you've given it all to your job that day, Is it worth the price that you're paying just to say that you're doing it all, right? So I think it's really important because of the market and who we're talking to as military spouses, we are known for doing it all. But there are times when we've got to understand that the price is a little too high 
And we have to do, I, I was actually speaking to a friend earlier today and she was talking about find the things that are most important in your life, put the most energy in that. And then find the cheating way to do the rest of it. Find the lazy way to do the other things. But find the the things that are most important to you. Give them your all. That is your kids, right? But it's also your marriage. And it's not either or. You can do both. So um, I just want to encourage you to make sure that you're, you're maximizing the things that are the most important to you. And that you're not neglecting one for the sake of the other. Yeah, that's so good. And I think what I would leave you with, with as we kind of as we close this, you know, marriage vitamins down, is you've got to take ownership. Like, right? It's about ownership. It's about choosing her or him. Right? It's about choosing that person over everything else, and and it's about deliberate action about putting forth act. So take ownership of your own action, right? Don't read this and say, oh, my husband is contemptuous or my wife is <laughs> defensive, right? You know you did it. Don't lie. Right? That's, that, if you did it, you're doing it wrong, right? You've got to own you. You own you. Then you've got to choose that person. Choose your spouse every day. Love is a choice. Love is not, a, in my opinion, it's not really a feeling. It's a choice because it's an action because yeah. you put, and then you, because choices then lead to actions and those actions, right? I'm not going to be defensive. I'm going to not come criticize. I'm going to, I'm going to register that complaint or more importantly, I'm going to hear that complaint and I'm not going to take it as a criticism, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to have tough conversations with my wife because I want a strong fireproof marriage. I'm not going to think, you know what, I should go get her flowers. I'm going to go get her flowers, even if, you know, I don't really want to. And even if I think they're a waste of money. <laughs> right? Because I'm choosing her. So own it, choose action. Mm-hmm. And I heard, I'll leave you with this. I heard earlier today, and it was just mind blowing, that thankfulness is a feeling. Gratefulness is an action. Yeah. Like. Thankful. I hear people say all the time, I'm so thankful for my husband. Or I'm so thankful for my wife. But are you grateful? And what I mean by that is, are you showing how much you appreciate that person? So thank you guys so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the marriage series. If you do, we'll bring it back. If you don't, you'll never hear from both of us at the same time again. So thank you all so much. Make sure that you subscribe on whatever it is that you like to listen to, whether it's your Apple podcast or whether it's SoundCloud, make sure you subscribe. Uh, We've got an awesome author coming up next week of one of my very favorite books. We've got a strength finders coach coming up here in the near future. So make sure that you're tuning in for those. You have a wonderful evening. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Millhousing Nation podcast. To connect with Millhousing Network, visit us online at milhousingnetwork.com. 